Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. They have won the Rachel Hayhoe Flint Trophy. Straight into the hands of the man on the mid-wicket boundary. Another one down. Hello and welcome to Storylines, the women's cricket podcast. I'm Melissa Story and this time Nikki Chowdhury is back from her amazing holiday in Seville. If you could see me now, I'm just banging out the flamenco dancing, aren't I? We've also got producer Matt with us who's been doing some of our Ashes dailies. Hi Melissa, hi Nikki, good to have you back. Cheers. By the way, stop acting like I was gone for so long. It was just a couple of days. We were genuinely putting up missing posters with your face on all around the UK. We didn't know where you'd gone and it turns out you were just probably in a poolside bar. Thank you to everyone who has sent us questions on Twitter or Instagram recently for our Ashes Dailies. You can, of course, keep sending us in questions. We absolutely love it. At Storylines Pod on Twitter or Instagram. You guys kept me thoroughly entertained as I spoke to myself for 20 minutes in my hotel in Birmingham. I heard about this. I listened to it. How did you manage? You were just looking at yourself in the mirror. It took about five takes to get the first minute out. And then that's when I realised I am normally looking at my reflection. So I sat down on the floor, staring at the full-length mirror, and I don't think I blinked for about 10 minutes. I'm not going to lie, it was really weird. I edited that podcast. What people don't know is that there was like over an hour of just Melissa talking to herself, (laughs) mumbling grumbling just muttering noises in the background started scribbling on the wall in the hotel it's been an entertaining start to the women's ashes i'm gonna get us back on track england are in a tricky situation nikki because they essentially need to win every single game now the 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 final two t20s in london this week and all three one day internationals it's probably not gonna happen let's be quite realistic here what do you think, you know, it, let's say England don't manage to win tomorrow at the Oval. What do you think the goal's got to be? You know, there's amazing sellout crowds now at Taunton and the Aegeus Bowl to come. Do England just have to say, OK, forget the series. It's all about can we register a win against Australia? Can we entertain these crowds? First up, before I answer that, I want to acknowledge the fact that I did realise you did not say a word to me when Australia won the game. OK, and uh, obviously 
I, I predicted it, didn't I? Secondly, um, yes, as you mentioned, it'll be really, really tough, I think, for England to come back and pull it out from here. It is showing how strong Australia are. But on the hindsight, if you just want to flip it and see how well and how great the exposure has been, especially for this Ashes series, um, for the women's games and obviously the crowds we've had is especially Birmingham. Did you see the crowd? Obviously, I think you were there, right? But it was absolutely fantastic. And to have that, it's come a long way. It might not not go England's way in terms of results, but the quality of cricket that's been put on stage, I think that is something to be proud of. And of course, you're coming to watch the T20 at the Oval tomorrow, aren't you? Uh, I might be making an appearance, yes. Yeah, I mean, where, are you going to be sat with the Aussies? Are you, do you have your inflatable kangaroo ready or do you have more of a, a I'm VIP actually waiting experience? for the Amazon delivery to come through. They still haven't come over, but I've got a kangaroo <laughs> with me. So you'll see me like boinsing into the Oval tomorrow evening. <laughs> On a serious note, can we have a couple of score predictions from you guys? Obviously, England, every game's a cup final from here for, in both the men's and the women's ashes. They have to win every game pretty much to keep both series alive. So can we have... A genuine score prediction. Well, I said to a lot of people at the start of the women's ashes that I thought it was going to well four to Australia. So I think England were gonna pick up four points probably in two wins across two white ball games. So I'm not sure which ones. I would love for it to be the oval. I think it's it's a, a brilliant ground for watching cricket. I don't think I see a win happening in England's favour tomorrow at the Oval, especially the way the wicket is and it does play at the Oval. I think the Aussies are very used to playing on those sort of tracks back home. So I think that's definitely more to their advantage. England do like playing at Taunton, albeit that would be the final game of the series. They, they've had some some fun there. And of course, as a, as a Hampshire girl, I'm happy that the Aegeus Bowl is sold out as well. Although I do think that's not necessarily the easiest surface to play on because it can take a bit of turn. It can keep quite low and slow. And in terms of Australian spin options, they have plenty. They've got Alana King, Georgia Wareham, Jess Jonathan, Ash Gardner. So I think they do have just a, a few more, you know, they, they benefit from pitches which are hard and good batting tracks like the Oval. And then they also can do really well on spinning tracks. So I'm not sure if unless we turn up to Taunton mid-July and it's the same, the pitch is the same colour as the outfield in England go, here we go. This is what I'm talking about. And Lauren Bell's swinging the ball at right angles. But yeah, it, it's going to be tough. I'm I'm saying 12-4. What about you, Nikki? Um, I'm probably going to agree with you on that, actually. I think it is going to be something similar to 12-4. And obviously, in terms of score predictions, I think we're going to be looking at what they got in the last game. 154 was the target. Correct me if I'm wrong. That is potentially not enough with that Australian batting lineup. So they're definitely going to be looking... Close to 200s at least. The oval, we know it flies. think it would be in favour of the Aussies. But then again, you never know. T20 is a funny game. It also is very much down to luck. And I know this is a women's cricket podcast, but England men, 2-0 down, Nicky. What's the final end result in, in the men's ashes? Because why not? Um. Well, I don't think basketball's going to be around for long. And <laughs> I... I'm going to ask you this question, actually, with the, the Bairstow dismissal thoughts. I think this podcast should remain a Bairstow and Alex Carey free zone. Here we benefit from deep breaths and being zen and not engaging in Johnny Bairstow run out debates. We'll leave that for our partner podcast, The Analyst Inside Cricket. So maybe I'll say if you want to hear Simon and Simon break that one down but I'm not entering into this arena Nikki I'm too scared that's such a safe answer you've really copped out of there come on at least Matt Matt at least help me out come on yeah it's out 
it's out. It's out. It's hundred percent out. And I think <laughs> after looking at all like the hoo ha on social media, I feel like everyone loves to be like hypocritical with when it suits them. I yeah, think it's I a lot looking. of he said, she said. We could go on all day, but ultimately, Mitchell Stark, catch inverted commas, was a drop. He grounded it, and Johnny Bairstow was indeed out. So both of the umpire decisions were correct by the laws of the game. If you have a problem with the laws of the game, take up with the MCC. But speaking of... Well, that is a brilliant lead there from producer Matt as next up we have a brilliant interview with the managing director of the MCC Foundation Dr Sarah Fain where we spoke about what kind of work the MCC Foundation has been doing both domestically and abroad the upcoming T20 at Lords in the Women's Ashes and of course the recent ICEC report which was released last week and talking about the ICEC report if you would like to hear us have a further conversation on that because I think Melissa I haven't actually told you yet but we might have some interesting guests who want to discuss this so if that is a topic of interest do let us know on Twitter at Storylines Pod or on Instagram if you're down with the kids Well, I'm absolutely delighted to welcome Dr. Sarah Fain, Director of the MCC Foundation, onto the podcast. Sarah, welcome. Thank you. It's lovely to be with you. You've had an incredibly busy week this this last week with the men's test at Lords, which certainly wasn't short of drama. So thank you for giving us some of your time to come on and, and have a chat. And we want to talk about quite a few things today. Um, of course, the MCC Foundation's brilliant work domestically and abroad, your national hub competition, which I absolutely love. And of course, the England women playing at Lords this Saturday for their third Ashes T20. We also are going to talk a bit about the Independent Commission for Equity and Cricket Report, which was released last week. But we're going to start with a bit of your background and the MCC Foundation's background. So, you know, Sarah, can you just tell us briefly, how did you find yourself in this role? I used to work in Afghanistan. I had my own charity out there and I was there for most of my life. So I ran the charity for 20 years um, and we were all about education for young Afghans. Um, But one of my children asked me if I'd help the Afghan cricket team um, and they were doing they were doing particularly well, but they were still in the bottom of the um, of the world in the league league tables. So I took out um, bats and balls the Afghan national team, and they started to do really well. They kept on winning, um, and then I asked MTC if they might give me some funding to take cricket all over Afghanistan. Um, and I ended up building over a hundred cricket pitches for young people, and we did coaching for thousands of young boys and girls. And cricket just took off in Afghanistan. Um, and I, I totally saw what an incredible sport it is for young people and how it totally changed that country, the hope it brought, the heroes it brought in a country of no heroes. And I was so inspired by it. Um, and when I closed the charity about um, in two, 2020, it was um, almost immediately I was asked by the MCC Foundation if I would um, be their new director. Um, and so that was um, why I came and that was just a week before COVID I started my work. Nice and easy conditions to start your new role in. I mean I think I'd speak for everyone when you know that the rise of Afghan cricket has been amazing and they're such an entertaining team to watch on the men's side and of course here's to hoping that the women's side can can start competing again and and can be safe to compete and play in the future. 
a bit of an overview about the MCC Foundation. What kind of is it its mission and the key initiatives it focuses on? I think the thing that really attracted me to it is that the mission is to transform lives through cricket. And that's really what I saw in Afghanistan. And that's what I'm very passionate about, you know, what this incredible game can do for young people. But at the same time, how we can spread the amazing game of cricket around the world. So it's it's those two things that really attracted me because the MTC Foundation uh, is all about transforming lives through cricket. Um, it, we work in the UK, we work in all sorts of countries overseas. And, and in the UK, it's all about making cricket a game for all. How can we make it accessible? Because often in countries like Afghanistan, I, I never thought of it as a game that wasn't open to everybody because kids played it on the streets. They didn't think it was an elite game. But I think in this country, it can become quite inaccessible for some children and they can think that they can't afford it. It's not for them. So we're all about how can we really make this game much more accessible. Are there any specific target populations or groups that the MCC Foundation primarily focuses on? Yeah, we're really all about underserved communities, whether that's girls in cricket or children from diverse ethnic communities or children in areas of high deprivation. So those are our key target areas, really. How can we get cricket to the hardest to reach individuals? All our beneficiaries in the UK are state educated and we're trying to drive our projects into the most hard to reach communities. What are some of the challenges that the MCC Foundation faces in its work and and how do you address these? We've now got 77 hubs across the United Kingdom and we're serving about 3,200 young people. They're all state educated, they're aged 11 to 16 and we give them free cricket coaching in the winter and then match play in the summer with with the final, there's a big national hub competition with the final at Lords and it's all totally free to access. And what we really want to do is we really, you know, when you say we're trying to reach hard to reach communities, it really is difficult. I think people underestimate how difficult it is. A lot of the pitches have been shut down. There's no sort of, a lot of the cities don't have lovely green spaces for children to play cricket. You have to find facilities. In the winter, you need indoor facilities um, to play the cricket, to get the coaching. So we face all those kinds of challenges, um, quite a lot of private schools to give us their um, their facilities, but you have to make sure that the, the children we're trying to reach can reach those facilities. You, know, you have to worry about transport, can they afford the kit? So we try and address all the barriers that children face, You know, whether it's through lack of money, which means they can't get um, the kit or they can't pay for the transport, or is it the logistics? They don't have a parent that can take them to the cricket. So it's much more difficult than you think. And these are all the things we're really trying to think about and trying to address. Is there a project in particular that you've been involved in that you're particularly proud of and you feel extra close to? I think, um, well, I don't know where to begin because I love all our projects. We work with Syrian refugees in Lebanon. We work in Nepal, East Africa, South Africa. We've just done an amazing project with um, South African girls in townships. And they, um, they have nothing for themselves. They live in such difficult environments and um, they come and have cricket with us and we give them talks around sexual reproductive health and that's been an amazing project but I think one of the things that we most loved at Lords, and particularly with my Afghan Afghanistan background was that when um, Kabul fell in 2021 and all the refugees arrived in the UK and there were thousands being housed in hotels we sort of marched down to the nearest hotels to Lords, and we were all wearing yellow vests. And we we went into the hotels and we worked with the hotels and the local councils. And we got we sort of marched all these families up to Lords, 
and um, we gave them a sort of welcome to Lords. We gave them cricket. MTC helped us. They opened up their cricket nets, and so they had they played cricket, and we had crushes for the kids, the little kids, and we gave the mothers English lessons, and they'd had such a brutal time, and it was like a lot of the men couldn't believe they were at Lords. Um, and it just became a wonderful project to help them as they tried to get to grips with what they'd lost and and their new lives in this country. And, and we we won an award for it, and it was just it was just a particularly inspiring um, moment in our history, I think. And do you find you mentioned there when you were in South Africa working with young women and also being able to give that advice on sexual reproduction and, and safety that not only are you sharing cricket with these communities but you are playing an important role as well in in other areas of life and almost for some children you're providing that that safe space away from home if needed absolutely one of the lovely quotes that i was talking to a young girl out there and i I said what does it mean to you to have this project she said i never feel safe this is the only time i feel safe is when i come to the cricket and in all our projects um particularly overseas, we try and have that social messaging. So in Nepal, we're doing a lot around gender violence, trying to get the girls playing cricket alongside the boys. Um, in, in East Africa, there's a lot of gang violence. So everywhere we work, we work with the local communities to see what are the big issues, how can we address them alongside the cricket. And cricket's such a great platform anyway for giving kids the sort of confidence um, and the network. And in the UK, we do something called Cricket Plus, which is all about how can we help them with their nutrition and their fitness and then the, you know, the mental well-being alongside the physical well-being, as well as playing cricket. So, yeah, it's, it's a wonderful platform to add add in all these dimensions and, and properly transform children's lives. And could you tell us a bit more about the MCC Foundation National Hub finals coming up? Yeah. Um, again, this is something that we brought in shortly after I came to Foundation. I just thought, wouldn't it be amazing to get all our hubs playing against each other and having a final at Lord's? And I thought it'd be being, <laughs> being me, I thought it would be quite an easy thing. My poor team, it's nearly killed us to deliver it. I mean, this time, this, this year we've done 75 matches, you know, we've done all across the country because we've got hubs in every corner of the country. But it's amazing. They all play against each other. Um, there's a girls side and a tournament and a boys tournament. And then with the final at Lords, they get all the amazing treatment that Lords offers for for a national, you know, an international match they would give. So the kids are allowed to use the dressing rooms. They have the players' dining room at their disposal. All the families are in the pavilion. They march out through the long room and they go onto the hallowed turf. And honestly, um, to see these kids that have so few advantages in life coming out and having that experience, it's, it's a total inspiration. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
I'd like to move on on to women's international cricket. And obviously we've heard that Lords is set to host an international women's fixture every year from 2025 to 2031. And this Saturday, we will see the third Ashes T20 being hosted at Lords on the hallowed turf. How thrilled were you to receive this news? And how are you and the foundation preparing for this Saturday, obviously being such a big event? We're incredibly excited about um, the Women's Ashes at Lords. I think we love women's and girls cricket. It's a, it's an amazing wave of um, energy. I think it's really, I love the fact that the crowds are increasing, that there's much more cricket available. Um, and then when we were asked if we wanted to have that day to sort of celebrate all our projects and to get a, raise awareness, we were absolutely delighted. So we're really excited about, about Saturday. There's been a lot of talk about Lords recently as a venue. The England women have never played a test match at Lords. You know, there's arguments that the, the home of cricket is a home principally for men. Out of 18,000 MCC members, only 217, I think, are women. How do you think in the future Lords becomes a better home for women, both players and fans going forward? They're doing a lot to try and make it much more accessible to women. And they're working very closely with us um, on how we can get the girls from our hubs coming in as playing members. Um, so there are lots of ideas around about how can we how, how can they make MCC more diverse? It's difficult when you have a 27-year waiting list. But I think that a really big um, opportunity is to work with the foundation and their and their their female hub players to to get more girls into into membership. I, I actually chatted away to Jamie Cox, the uh, head of cricket, uh, about this, and for a couple of years I've been interested in how more women players could play for the MCC and how many matches they're staging. And he says that. There are now 40 games a year for MCC girls and and women. And, you know, it's amazing, really. I mean, people what people don't understand, and, you, you know, Melissa, you're right, Lords has been in the, the news for the wrong reasons. MCC play over 500 matches against clubs and schools all over the country and, and obviously abroad as well. And 40 of those games are now for women. Uh, so they're encouraging more women to play. And actually, it's a great way, you know, whisper this quietly, if you want to become an MCC member, it's a great way to become an MCC member is to be a playing member because you end up playing, I don't know, half a dozen games, maybe 10 games over a couple of years and you're straight in as a member uh, rather than the 29-year waiting list, which you mentioned before. So I totally accept that some women might not want to be a member of, of the MCC, but actually it does a lot of good things, as you as you said, Sarah. And uh, you know the environment is becoming more female-friendly, I think, and, and actually, you know, it's a great place to watch the game. Uh, and you don't have to sit in the pavilion. You can go and sit somewhere else. You can sit in the Warner stand or you can sit in the Allen stand or roam around the ground. It gives you free entry to the to the ground for any match if you're an MCC member. And, and they play some fantastic fixtures around the country. So, I mean, I've got no vested interest in, in telling you this, but I just think it's a, I've been a member of MCC for 40 years and it's given me so much pleasure, actually, to play and to watch. And I think it's just wonderful that, you know, the more women we can get as members and they don't have to queue up and be the 20 in the 29 year waiting list. If they can play at any standard, they can get in as a playing member. So just have to go to mcc.org 
and look it up and, and apply online. Couldn't agree with you more, Simon. Actually, I'm a playing member myself. And I think on my first year, whilst I was trying to get my membership, I managed to play at Lords. So to get that opportunity, and you really do play against some good sides and some great ground as well. I think last year there was an MCC tour to Scotland where we played at the Grange, where Scotland played their international games. So you really are exposed to some really good experiences. We're trying to get um, MCC women and and um, to come out and play against our international projects beneficiaries as well so it is it's really exciting and also I'm a member but I don't I've never played but it, it's an interesting environment but it is also it is extraordinary as well I mean it's, it, it does offer a lot of, as well and that's why it'd be lovely if we could get more of our girls into into membership and they're definitely talking about dropping the fees and, and helping us to get the, the children from our hub to journey through it's funny actually because I remember I mean this is a terrible sort of ancient history but I was actually at the meeting in 1997 a special general meeting when uh, mcc finally admitted women and i mean it's appalling that it took until 1997 of course when i was there that day i remember somebody standing up a, a male member obviously standing up and just in debating about the with the wherewithal of women joining and one of them said um I, i'm not sure that uh, that women could afford the subs which is a sort of terrible dinosaur kind of attitude that, that was proliferating at the time and I turned to him at the time the I think I think the sub was about 450 quid and I turned to this man and I said my wife spends 450 pounds on a pair of shoes and he looked a little bit embarrassed and sat down the attitudes are slightly loosened I would just love to see more women in the pavilion and around the ground and playing for, for the club and I'd love to see mixed teams as well I think MCC mixed teams would be brilliant, you know. I mean, my daughter played in a, a boys' 11 at her school. I was reading about a story the other day about uh, a, a, the 40 club playing against a local school and a girl came in number four. You know, it's just, it's becoming more and more the thing, isn't it? You know, mixed teams. And I hope the MCC think of that as well. I think we're going to try and do some MCC foundation tours with mixed teams as well. Lead the way on that. Sarah, you mentioned that the, it's been a crazy week for you last week with the men's test at Lords, And obviously... The Independent Commission of Equity in Cricket report was also released last week with some very daming conclusions that racism, sexism, classism and elitism are widespread in English and Welsh cricket. The report has put forward roughly 44 recommendations to tackle these structural and institutional racist issues, finding that women are also treated as subordinate and it's been referenced to as second-class second citizens to men at all levels of the sport. And a prevalence of elitism and class-based discrimination is very clear. As a charity, who works to ensure cricket is open to everyone? And how did you feel when that report came out? I think it's a sort of pivotal moment in cricket. And I think it made for awful reading. And, and it's, it's terrible to see the truths behind cricket at the moment. Um, I think what it did for us was it reinforced that all the work we're doing is is around so much of that. So it's all for state educated kids. We're all about trying to help kids be um, get on the talent pathway. Um, all about how can they have their you know how can they be talent spotted? It's all about helping girls. Thirty percent of our hub participants are girls now, but we're aiming for fifty percent. We've gone up from sixteen percent two years ago. Um, they, they mentioned state school competitions. We've already got our hub competition. It'd be wonderful if we could build on that. So I think that for us as a charity, it, it's it's really reinforced that we're, we're on the right lines. We've been doing the right things to try and make cricket more accessible. And then it's the next step is 
reading those recommendations absolutely thoroughly and saying, well, what more can we do? And we've got a five-year plan. And actually, most of the things we, we want to do to reinforce what we're already doing are in that five-year plan. But we want to now accelerate that because we feel this is really a moment. You know, it, this is the moment to try and get more funding to, to accelerate our plan and to do much more that we're already doing because we've got a ready-made state education project. We've got a ready-made talent pathway and we're also doing a lot for the girls. So I think it's up to us now as a charity to do much more of, of what we're already doing. You mentioned that five-year plan. Is there anything in particular which, you know, is already open to the public or you could share which address any particular issues? Or is this top secret? <laughs> no, not at all. I think that our, our five-year plan really is all about, you know, we have this National Hub programme. How can we how can we really accelerate it? How can we get it to the areas of, of highest deprivation? How can we really ensure? I mean, last year, 200 of our um, 3,000 players went on to play for counties. That's amazing. Those, those kids would never have had the opportunity. So how do we ensure that we amplify that? You know, how do we get more of those kids into it? And I think... There's another part that we really want to think about, which is once, you know, if we can get those kids into the counties, they're still at a disadvantage to the privately educated children because they don't have the same amount of match play as they do, the same amount of coaching as they do. So how can we perhaps think about nurturing them once they're already in the counties and helping the counties to give those kids those extra advantages? Um, but yeah, it's, it's really our, our five-year plan is really about how do we get the girls to 50% of our, of our players? Um, how do we uh, help the coaching work for, workforce to be more female orientated to make sure that there are more girls? So we're going to be helping the girls in our hubs to go on to become coaches and then go back into the hub program. Um, and really, how do we do much more match play? I think more match play because that's the thing that even if you have a lot of coaching, it, 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 you need that match play experience, and that's what the, the privately educated get, kids get much more than those state educated kids. So how do we manage to, to support that more? So it's all these things and how can we really, you know, how can we go from 77 hubs to many more? And do you see the MCC Foundation working with any other organisations like ACE or, or SACA in the future, for example? Yeah, it's so important. It's the most crucial thing that we all meet together. All our operations teams meet together regularly. And it, um, a lot of the Chance to Shine, Lord Taverners and uh, kids come into our programme. So a lot of tape ball children are now coming into our programme. So um, they've they've got that wonderful zest for life and and tape ball cricket, but they actually want to come and do some hardball cricket uh, and then progress into talent pathways. So we, it's essential to work with them. So and to sort of map out an, a pathway where all the kids can sort of benefit from all these different charities, because we do do very different things, and and we we feed into each other very well. So that we do a lot of mapping exercises together, try and make sure we're working in the same communities. So they can feed, we can each feed people into each other's programs. So yeah, that is incredibly important. So back to the MCC Foundation to finish on a slightly lighter note. What are some of the exciting projects that you have coming up for the foundation? So we've got our national hub um, competition final in uh, on the 29th of July at Lords, which obviously will be fantastic. Uh, we're going to extend our South Africa project. That was a sort of pilot project for a year. 
but it's been so successful that we, we're going to do that um, well into the future now. We're doing a lot of coach accreditation in all our projects. Um, we're trying to make sure there's sustainability for our projects going forward. So we're doing ICC coach accreditation in our projects across the world. I think we've got more ICC accredited coaches in Lebanon than in many countries in the world. And when you think there's not even Arabic cricket, this is for Syrian refugees. You know, it's it's a wonderful way forward. So we're going to be concentrating a lot on how we can do a lot more coach education in all our projects for sustainability. And then we'll just continue to look at opportunities. We've got a project coming up in Serbia where we're going to be helping Afghan refugees who are in a camp there to integrate with the local school children. We'll be doing competitions and coaching there. So we're full on. We're, we're a small team, but we, we really punch above our weight and we really care about how we can help kids across the world through cricket. I'm sure the cricket community is so grateful for everything. You and the MCC Foundation have, have contributed in making all the right steps towards making cricket a more inclusive and an open sport. It's just absolutely brilliant to talk about it. Sarah, thank you so much for your time today and for coming on the podcast. Well, thank you very much for inviting me. Thank you so much to Dr. Sarah Fain for coming on and having a chat and talking about all the, the heartwarming stories from the MCC Foundation and just the, the brilliant work they're doing. Just really great initiatives. And as you say, there's so much negativity and fighting talk on social media at the moment. It's good to hear a bit about all the brilliant work that's being done. That's all from us for this sneaky into Ashes Daily episode of Storylines. Of course, we'll be bringing you a Ashes Daily tomorrow following the result of that second T20 at the over, which both me and Nikki will be watching. Maybe we'll have a story of our in-person meeting to bring you. Bearing in mind, this is going to be the first time you and I are actually meeting tomorrow. It's the first time we're not talking to each other, I think, when we're sat in the car or not on this Zoom call. So it's going to be a great moment for both of us. Tune in for that one. Get in touch at Storylines Pod on Instagram or Twitter. And for now, thanks so much for listening. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. Life's better with American Family Insurance. Because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.